0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the Housecast podcast. Got a bit of a bumper edition this evening. We've got more guests than we know what to do with. We've got the usual three, myself, Joe Martin, and Jez. We also have two esteemed previous Lorehouse captains, Fincher (coughs) and uh, Gary Morehouse. We'd asked for questions to put to those two, and somebody asked for Fincher to run through his entire uh, philosophies on captaincy. But unfortunately, Apple said that A 30-second podcast wouldn't be uh, acceptable, so we've had to shove that idea. Uh, We've also got one other uh, special guest who joins us from Australia. You might know his name. He played a little bit of cricket for us back in 2005, and since then he's had a reasonable career. He's played for Victoria. He's played Test cricket for Australia. He's played cricket for Leicestershire, Delhi Daredevils and RCB in the IPL. He's now assistant coach of of the Australian Test side. He coached in the 100. He coached in the IPL. We're joined by Mr. Andrew McDonald. Hi everybody, how are we all doing? Well, I was doing okay Joe. to my introduction, Joe, but all good, thank you. Solid introduction on Finch's bar. Solid introduction. <laughs> excellent, excellent. <laughs> We're going to major on, Andrew, but obviously the others are going to are going to chip in as well. Andrew, thanks very much for giving us a bit of time today. What are you up to at the moment? I know you should be probably in India at the moment, but what what's life like for Andrew now there's no cricket? I think
1: it's a little bit like um, everyone else, but um, thanks for having us on and you know, thoughts with everyone out there in, in the world that's obviously embarking upon a, a different look but um, having my first competitive here on the golf course today and royally failed there it's had 29 points and I hear that you may have uh, shot the lights out uh, at some point in time over this weekend so uh, that sort of got dripped there to me so yeah but it's uh, it's pretty much golf fun now that it's opened up and uh, a bit of homeschooling and yeah just a, a bit of uh, time at home which has um, been pretty good life on the road sort of doesn't allow much time at home so it's, it's been good to take a job
0: should you be at the IPL now is that where you would be
1: yeah yeah generally speaking April May yeah. IPL time um, and then outside of that clearly international cricket and yeah it was really looking forward to the 100 ball um, you know coming to visit yeah. you know, it's one of the things that you put on your calendar annually to, to get to England and drop in and see how Finchie's going um, so unfortunately we won't be able to do that this year When when was that
0: scheduled to start the 100?
1: Uh, that was going to be I think it was July 17 the kick-off date through to August right. 15 so unfortunately with what's happening over there yeah, it doesn't look like uh, too much domestic cricket but um, Finchie better Give you a whole lot more information. Um, sort of being high up in the pecking order in the ECB
0: might have a little bit of inside information for the podcast. High up in the pecking order, he makes a T, doesn't he? That's what that's uh, that's what I've heard. I'm
2: not even I'm not even progressed to that level yet, Joe. If I'm being honest. <laughs>
0: What about what just if can
1: we, I know that people probably in the podcast won't be able to see, but there's a strategically placed bike in the background, um, of There is that sort of like the bookcases that the intellects have. is, is a, is a have it? uh, any response? At least, at least mine gets used, Macca. Oh, very <laughs> cute. Got a bike, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Send more house to save
4: the house.
0: Come on, the house. Andrew, you played for us in 2005. You had a little foray into the league the year before with Haslandon in 2004. What can you remember about how the Law House move came about? Yeah. So um. Yeah. So signed with Haslandon
1: in 2004. Uh, I'm not sure how many games I played there. Someone probably will have the numbers uh, there for us. But I think it might have been a handful of games. Um, suffered an injury. I think it was in Nick Flanks playing for Haslington. Went home real early in that season. Um, yeah, and then I thought, oh, that's it. Maybe I'm going to come back to League of Cricket. Uh, Played another season in Victoria when I got home. Um, and then I, I think Lower House had a professional pullout late for two, the season in 2005. I'm not sure whether it was maybe Ryan Harris or... or it was Thur- Ryan, yeah. yeah. It was Ryan Harris, yeah. So... He was meant to come back and pulled out late. Uh, I think probably on the back, he had a, probably a bumpy year or he might have been moving states or, or something was going on. And um, ran his me, David ran. And sort of just put forth a, a proposition. Uh, in my head, I wasn't really that keen to come back. Um, and he just literally, I think it was probably over sort of three conversations convinced me that it may be a good idea to have another crack at league cricket. Um, a lot of my team members of Victoria also had had successful forays into Lancashire League, which then helped them with their first-class careers. So, Jason who had been there, Brad Hodge. So, those guys spoke positively of it. Um, yeah, and took the, the leap uh, to Lower House uh, for the season of 2005. I think it was real late in the piece too. I reckon it might have been sort of February deal. might have been yeah. early March. Um, so, it all happened really, really quickly. Um, and thankfully I took that um, option. Probably the best thing I did in my in career. Okay,
2: am I right in saying that you played, you sub pro in the league before that? Was it for Enfield in 2003?
1: 2003, sub pro we on an emerging players tour, yeah, correct, for Victoria. Um, and we got released for, I think it was four or five days, and we all sort of headed up to lengths League and took up some sub-pro'ing opportunities. Might have been sort of late in the season, late July, I reckon it might have been. So a few spots opened up with professionals moving home, and, yeah, bowled twenty five straight from one end. So that was a, a really good. <laughs> I, I think we batted second. I couldn't walk. So you did. not <laughs> so. You didn't. You didn't,
2: didn't bat. Just got it up now. You didn't. You didn't bat in the second dig, but you bowled three, three, for, something. three for three for eighty off twenty five. Yeah. Yeah,
5: yeah. I think you bowled. I think I you,
2: bowled you bowled more overs in that game for Renfield than you did for and I think.
1: speaks <laughs> to <laughs> the resident stats man today. Is he? You <laughs> might be right though. <laughs>
0: I think you'll be right. <laughs> Excellent. So, if you were used to bowling twenty-five overs a game, that's um, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure we're "used to" would be the right terminology, but forced
0: no, to. yeah, forced to. I mean, and the, the rules that? in the rules in the league have changed now. You can't, but you can't have a professional. I think what is it? Seventeen is the max now. Was uh, that you were in 2005 as captain? I think they might. Yeah, have to, yeah, Yeah, because there were a lot of spinners spinners that year who were bowling a lot of overs, so uh, they had to change the rules. Uh, I mean, it's interesting you mention that because we had a, the year before you came, we had a, we had a New Zealander called Peter Fulton now albeit he did bowl a bit quicker than you but he actually bowled more overs oh, than you not So, and, he, and he, he doesn't he doesn't moan about it so you know I think we need to keep a bit of perspective what, <laughs> 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 what about the other pros in the league that you were here that year can you remember any of them Don't remember. A, I'm going to fire a name at you Murley Kartik
1: yep. uh, Remy he
0: he brought up Ramy. Um, yep. We've had a story from Tiffer about him, which I, I remember, of course. I just wondered if you had any uh, recollection of that. He was a bit fiery. Uh, Tiffer got under his skin a little bit. And I think whilst you might have been at the other end, there was a shoving match. Do you remember it? Have you come across him again since in your career yeah, as, uh, I've in come, cricket? Yeah, I've come across him a,
1: a hell of a lot since. Um, clearly in the IPL. Um may, may have been in county cricket um, when I was at Leicester, I think. Uh, for Somerset. I reckon he played at Somerset during that time. So, what I remember of that is, yeah. So, Tiff batted at three. It was sort of late, lateish in the season from, from memory. He was, but, oh, Tiff was batting at three. Well, that's a, probably another story. That's probably selection or cap- captaincy decision. I'm not sure how that sort of operates. <laughs> but, but that as the podcast goes on. Um, but he, he sort of, hit, he, the old, the train track, he sort of cow-corned, the slogged him. He didn't get many runs in that game. I think he might have got. Yeah, like, how many did he
0: get? 10 or 11, something like
1: that. Yeah, yeah including a six. And it sort of got heated and... It was a big game. It was it was really the probably the pivotal game of the season where the points just yep. you know, shifted significantly. Um, so there was a lot on the line. I think there was a, there was emotion. Um, he got you nearly know, got him out, and I think it might have been LBW or something sweeping, and one of those ones where it took the umpire a little while to give the decision. I think this is from memory, and he ran and sort of got in his in his space, and yeah, sort of played out from there. But at the end of the game, I, I remember sitting back having a... Well, I was having a beer. I'm not sure where really the was sitting down on the side and outside the club rooms and and both teams, you know, played it in good spirit. Um, it got a little bit heated and, and motions balled over. But you'd expect that in a you know, you know a pivotal game for the title, pretty much. So, um Tip has probably beat it up a little bit bigger than that. But um, yeah, that, that's sort of my recollection of it.
0: Yeah, that's pretty accurate. That's pretty how I, as I remember it, really very good. There was another bit of a fallout uh, in a game later on that season involving yourself and a senior member of our side, Pankaj Strapathy. We played a local derby against Burnley, which we won reasonably comfortably. Finch, I don't know if you remember that game, because it was rearranged from a rained off game Mm. where you got 120 that got choked off, unfortunately. I don't remember much about that, to be honest. We beat them in the rearranged game, reasonably comfortable but in the changing room after the game Jez loves this story because you know he, uh, he was predicting it was going to happen almost uh, almost from ball one And um, there was a bit of a flare up in the changing rooms afterwards can you remember what sparked that can you remember anything about that incident at all
1: were you talking to Finch or were you talking to me
0: no you you Okay. okay. you were the one <laughs> who so was playing most of the bullets
1: <laughs> no, I, just, I remember it so we are chasing down a total we performed really really well and you know, we we're, we're on edge the whole time during the season because we had a a reasonable start, a reasonable middle. Um, there was sort of some pressure mounting. Um, never won the title, so clearly pressure. expectation was high on the back of the year before we won the cup in two thousand and four. Um, we had a good, we had a really good team, and, and what I remember of Lower House in two thousand and five was a really good team, and, and that was probably what flared up in that game was. Oh, you know, just from a from a personal opinion. And it was just in the middle, I was batting the trip and, you know, we're running hard between the wickets and, you know, everything was on the line. And, you know, I just felt that at certain times that, that wasn't happening, then you know, we weren't hairing between wickets and we had certain team expectations. And all I was suggesting to Trip was that, you know, we uphold those for the season. It was really, really important that if, we, if this is going to be a championship winning side, that we need to continue to push the whole way through. And, and not let the opposition in. I think we won that game quite comfortably as well. We did, yeah. Yeah, we did. So, I table table it to, to trip in the middle and, and clearly, you know, Trip wasn't too too fond of so the sort of feedback and, and, and that happens in, in games and, and probably through you know, what spilled in the change room was probably not right for the collective team and probably put you under the pump of the skipper. I, I do remember that you headed to the cubicle and shut the door and had the on there for quite some time and looking for the captain to have a debrief, but it was never forthcoming, so I'm not sure what happened after the game. But I think you, you removed yourself from there some sort of 90 minutes later and you got in your car and drove home and go the team later on. But, yeah, it was quite heated. But as I said, those sort of things, um, in the emotion of the season happened. Um, I think sometimes it pretty healthy. Look, I'm not sure that that was, that was healthy at that point in time. I'm not going to say that it was the right thing to do, but it was definitely emotional. I just felt as though the, the team couldn't be compromised and... The way that we wanted to play throughout the season, and that was that was how I saw it at that point in time. Do I see that like that now? Probably not. You get a little bit older, yeah. a little bit older. I Was young at the time?
2: I think you you say that, Maka. But well, I mean, I'm I'm lucky. I'm not sure you are that we've spent a bit of time together over the past few years, and you helped me out certainly my career. But that that epitomises what you are about. And I know we're going to come on to your coaching later, but it's about the team first rather than individuals within it and i think on a reflection back looking at that that really shone through on that day i remember taking you and Keely out after that match you we went for a curry and you you were fuming not not about any individuals or a, a you know what actually happened it was just the fact that you were so passionate about you wanted to win the league and it was about the team and doing everything like that and that's that one of the things that really struck a chord with me it's not not necessarily the the runs and the wickets, but it was the uh, shit. I really want to get this league won for the rest of the team. And that's that you know that's what kind of got us through. And it was it was an interesting, interesting dressing room for ten minutes at the end. It's I don't know, wasn't right. it was,
0: exactly?
5: <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> luckily, we had Blaise and Matt in there just to work things out. And it was i I'd forgotten about that until you talked about it on the podcast. To be honest,
0: it was a. Yeah, Jez brought it up.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> what what, what, what um? What game was it? Just out of interest, it sort of it, it struck me as a pivotal game as well, sort of like the uh, rainy one.
2: It was mid July, and again, I don't know what you're doing. I, the thing I remember about that game is you you batted Tiffer at three, Joe, and I I think we yeah we definitely bowled first, and I think that was the first time I bowled about eighteen, 18 overs. Tiffer comes in, he suddenly decides his game's tip and run. So I'm in there for 10 overs with Tiffer. He run, runs me into the ground. That was the, and then, obviously, I think, Maka, you get 50 and and Blaise got some runs as well, I think. I
1: tell you why, up at three, and I was going to blame the captain for that earlier, but I think I batted three in the first four games of the season. Couldn't make a run. And and the captain wanted to bowl a lot first, and he, he bowled me a lot of overs. And I found it really, really difficult <laughs> just to really stand up at half time and put the pads on. Um, and we always tended to lose an early wicket early season. It was all right once 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 he got into his stride and Finky got into his stride and you know, it, it sort of unfolded like that but, yeah. but early season is a bit of nip in the wicket and you know you're sort of in there at sort of one for 10 after where you guys caught it 10 for one. Yeah, I couldn't walk. Um cramped up in an early game and um, yeah, so that's why Tip went to three from there. Yeah, game.
2: problem problem with that argument, Michael, is you only bowled twelve overs that game, so it don't really stand up, does it?
1: No, not that game, no, no, I was talking about, that game. I was about
0: early. <laughs> two season. lots I of six. I mean, I mean, mean you know, know, how can you scroll two, two lots of, lots of
2: six? six. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ryan um, never bothered about it, did he? <laughs> no, was good. I mean he, Ryan never complained, but he's in a wheelchair now, so you know. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Can't walk.
0: You're right. That was a, that was a game in, in July. The Rami game that we talked about earlier was more pivotal. That was the uh, that was like August, end of July, beginning of August, and it was us and them at the top of the league, and we we overtook them, and they never they never got back in front of us after that game. Johnny Russell bowled them out. That was it in terms of the cricket that you had with us uh, that I wanted to ask you about. Obviously, you had you had a month off in the middle of the season. I think you were on some sort of uh, was it a holiday camp that you had in June. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was It was called respite. I think it was called rest after the first sort of couple of months under your um leadership. I, I think it was a made up um rest period for myself just to get the loads down. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it was a Victorian um to a I'm not sure where it started, but I think the T twenty game against Hazy was the last game I played and then I headed off for about a month to the yeah, it was called an emerging players tour where we traveled around and played against the counties and um yeah, so that's why I left for a month and I think you got some good Overseas prize and I think when I come back, I, I think you even referenced it to me uh, across a pint of I think it was Cronenberger that yeah, you had on. I don't know whether you got any sponsors, but Cronenberger on the par back then and he said, Jeez, we had some good prize in the time you were away. <laughs> <all>, you're almost <laughs> suggesting that it was best that I didn't come back. So um, but um, yeah, it all motivational,
0: went, I think you'll find. Motivational. Like,
1: uh, getting the best out of the, the players.
0: That so, yeah. what was
2: the, what was the story as to why you had to go home early?
1: I mean that
2: and how, how did he get found out about you back back home?
1: I'm not sure, I'm not, you, you might remember better. But I think remember she, buying off. I think
0: she must know, he must know or else he would not be asking you these questions he, would, he does but, not know the answer. Yeah, so, so my, I think I, play, I
1: played a game at Todd and I dropped the catch off you and you've never forgiven me. It was out of the there's a brick building at the back there. Yeah, is it still there? They haven't knocked that down yet, but the brick building it was very hard in first slip and it, it cut <laughs> by that stage of the season, they weren't coming out very fast and finishy, but you know, a bit of pace hit through and, and just somehow dropped it and he's never forgiven me for that catch but what I do remember is I bowled, bowled spin in that game yeah. I I got six, so I don't know whether we can run the numbers on that but um, yeah Well was, you
2: did you got, you, you got six Ferb, but <laughs> does the story not go that obviously we got a fantastic Lancashire League website and it was on the hush hush that you are bowling spin because you just wanted to protect your back a little bit was it? I forget who the coach was at Victoria back in the time but it got back to him that it said on the Lancashire League website on oh, the the Aussie, Aussie McDonald bowling off spin, and you get this call, and then you get the curly finger to go back over to Australia because you've got a bit of a back niggle.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, I think I had to divulge it. yeah, I was trying to keep it under wraps till that point in time. But <laughs> I think by that stage we were, you know we were pretty cosy that we we may have had enough points to see us through. But um, yeah, you guys got to enjoy the spoils, and all. by the photographs you celebrated it as well.
5: We did, we did. I mean, and again, God bless his soul. Let's hope he's he's looking down on us and listening. You've got to set your cap off to Rennes for you know for some oh. of the, the players he got.
2: Well I don't I don't know. So obviously I wasn't there when these guys were there, but Flegs, Matthew Mott. Yeah. Two two really successful people now since obviously all down to their experience at Lorehouse. You got Macca, yeah.
5: yeah,
0: Martin Van Yarsbel.
2: Van Yars, you got Peter Fulton who's the assistant coach in New Zealand now.
5: Ryan, Ryan
2: Irish. Ryan, not only are they good players, they're, they're good people, aren't they?
0: I think we just got to the end of the cricket chat from Laura House. There's a couple of other incidents I just wanted to mention. One about when you fell asleep in the park. Any recollection of that? Any recollection of the aftermath or what happened immediately before it? I'm, still no, I, it. I'm
1: not I'm not sure that I did, did fall asleep in the park, but... Um, I mean, the story's, you know, what are we? We're some sort of 15 years post. But I do remember my first night at the club. Um, I can tell you that story. Um, if you need to know. Go on, then. It was a fast induction. Matt Hope greeted me. Uh, you might have been down, and Johnny Russell was there. Finchie definitely wasn't there. Tiffa lived too far away. So there was a small gathering. <laughs> proceeded to um, get in around with, with Maddie and probably consumed. I'm oh, probably definitely consumed. I think I think six pints last last recollection in a, in, a, in a roughly about seventy minutes, um, to which stage I try to find my way home. I, I ended up getting home. Uh, I attempted to get to sleep. Not really familiar with the setup in the flat uh, near the billiards hall there. I think it was on Paddy and Road. from memory, um, and bounced off the bed, landed on the floor. And stay there for the next seven hours um, to wake up and, stay, and not know what really was going on. But from that, I didn't really learn my lesson. In a, in a couple of shouts with Matty Um that but that was from sort of first. If, if that's the park story that's sort of been shifted and potentially manipulated, then yeah, there was there was an altercation with alcohol, there was an altercation with Matthew Hope to, to, to which Keely wasn't know, uh, yeah, all that fond of, but um, nor was I. No, fair uh, the, 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 enough. Fair enough. You know, in a face anyone and you were expecting me to try that week, which I didn't.
4: <laughs> club, club profits always recruit they always recruit the pros Pros fees over the board, oh, that's, yeah, that's the age. Correct,
0: that's it, that's it. You mentioned Keely there. There's another instance which, I, you know, I've, I have done my research here. This is not just my own memory. I've asked, you know, virtually everybody at the club, and they all have said there's another instance where you might have had about 18 missed calls on your phone from Keely because you'd not come home when you were supposed to. You still didn't go home, so she gave up on the phone calls and actually turned up at the club to drag you home in her pyjamas.
1: Not, not dragged
0: home, I think she was concerned for my
1: welfare because she probably <laughs> <would> got, <laughs> Hope was still in the bar as well, so she knew how it ended before that. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah, a, I what it was, yeah there, there was a, yeah. yeah um,
0: character building, character building the laundry, right? Eh? Boots, no, I mean, did you get blamed for that? Probably. It sounds like I've got blamed for pretty much everything that's, that's gone wrong. So, yeah, why not? Oh, so you tend to find I mean, captains,
4: do yeah. Any incident, only the captain will do. I remember uh, Charlie's mum coming, dragging him out at Lane Ends after we went there after a rained-off <laughs> game. And she, she gave me daggers for about you know two or three years afterwards. I mean, the fact <laughs> he was 15 is irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Finch, um, when you were captain, what did you get blamed for?
2: Lack of ability, <laughs> lack of leadership skills, lack of people awareness, lack of tactical awareness. Just total ineptitude, really. <laughs> and that, it's mm-hmm. interesting because me and me Dooch and were talking about this during the week. And my recollection of my captaincy is that I did it for half a season. But apparently I did it for a full season and then packed in the season after about, I don't know, 10 games in.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, it's not my not my finest hour. I'll be honest. I was a bit young. I was I think I was twenty three when I took over captaincy. And obviously, when you're following the Italian Adonis like Beneducci, you've not got much chance, have you? You've just won the Worsley Cup. You just won the league, the league for the first time. Yeah, I was totally out of my depth. I'm not going to lie. She got to hold me hand up. When you what happens when you are captain? You have to think of other people. And I'm probably the most selfish, mm. self-contained person you'd ever want to meet. So it's not going to. It's not going to work, is it? It's
0: a recipe for disaster straight away. Honest appraisal, Jonathan. Very honest. Obviously, you then go on to play cricket for for, for back to back to Victoria, play for Leicester in in England, and and a bit in the IPL. But it's your coaching that we really wanted to just uh, just get into. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, current Australian assistant coach and um, coach in the in the hundred for the Birmingham side. Didn't she mention that they're playing pink? I don't know, have you got a different no, colour to the, wear as coach? It's the IPL
2: team that plays in pink, isn't it? Andy? Oh, is it?
0: Sorry, Rad, just playing pink. You're going to need a different colour there, aren't you, with your complexion and... Uh... Well, that's in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> but true, but true. Pepper pig. big... <laughs> <laughs> Gary, Gary's got a question about coaching in sort of short short periods of time. Go on, Gary, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you ask it
4: really interesting to see how uh, you know players have uh, their their gigs have changed over the years with um, going around to playing different countries in all these competitions more so than they ever would have toured with their own national sides um i just wondered how that panned out from a coaching aspect uh, you know c- coaching possibly is something that you have different plans for sort of medium and long term with, with with sides and uh, you know when you're rocking up for a season or or a two or three months with 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 bunch of players most of you know you're probably aware of or, or have played with before I just wonder how that that role as coach has, has evolved had to evolve very quickly and uh, with no real precedent or people who you can go back over time with and, and see how they did
1: it yeah I think the landscape for everyone's changed hasn't it um in the in the last decade really with the IPL franchise cricket coming in we've seen the evolution um the English cricket um you know 2003 was T20 now you know, this year should have been the 100 ball. So there's, there's a lot of franchise cricket out there. There's a lot of player movement. There's a lot of coach movement. So the landscape's definitely changed. And I, I suppose you, you don't really have a short, medium or long-term view as a coach. Um, it's really opportunistic. It's a little bit like a player. You sort of go through the grades, you know, for, for a young and you, you, you might play in the Central Lancs League. You might play in the Lancashire League. You step into second level in cricket, you get an opportunity for Lancashire, and then sort of it flows from there. So it really is people backing your ability as a coach or a player, giving you an opportunity, uh, and then it sort of progresses from there. But the, the landscape definitely is changing. There's there's more opportunities within the game. It's an international game, um, and there's a lot more leagues, so then it creates more jobs, which is fantastic. Uh, at the moment, we've seen that challenge with the current circumstances around the world with the coronavirus, but. Um, yeah, it's literally, I mean, my first opportunity was at Leicestershire County Crew Club, and I spoke to Finchie about this. Finchie's someone I, I do bounce my sort of coaching off, and yeah, really, really sort of, you know, he, well, he's actually good to talk to around coaching. He's, he's pretty well-versed. I know that I'm not, not meant to give him too many accolades on this, this program. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Joe, with me as a former captain, he said, make sure that you do not praise Finch, but I'm going to praise him in that space, but Nick um, for that journey with me at Leicestershire, um, it was really a club Was it it the right coaching job at the time? Who knows? But um, that opportunity is really um, probably where I am today. So I'm thankful to to Paul Haywood, who was the chairman of the the board at the time, who gave me that opportunity as that coach. And yeah, everything sort of has transpired from there.
0: And as as far as IPL goes, obviously you've got the Rajasthan job at the moment. Give us a a little insight into sort of how that differs from, say, Leicestershire or, or even the Australian role. Well, the IPL is—it's well, a, it's a really—it's a different beast,
1: really. Um, I mean, you're in a country that cricket is you know, born on a religion. It's—it's you know, it's fanatical. Um, it's two months. It's the only competition that has its its own window with all players from around the world available. Um, so therefore, the quality of cricket is second to none. It literally is the best competition in the world domestically. That um, is international cricket. He's you know, superior because you've got the you know, the talent sort of streamlines into you know the best teams in the world. But in terms of domestic competition, it, it far outweighs any other competition in the world. Um, the travel um, it's demanding. Turnaround times are short. You know, as I said, the, the expectation on these players, the fans. You arrive at an airport, there's there's people at the front. Um, you arrive at your hotel, there's people at the front. You go to the games, there's a massive queue at the front. It's just it's just full of full of hype. It's a great um. It's just a great tournament. It's it's really hard to describe unless you're there. But yeah, it, it, as I said earlier, there, it borders on religion, um, and the pressure is high. The stakes are high, um, and the demand for excellence is high. I was at um, Red, uh, not Rajasthan. I was at uh, RCB um, at Bangalore, and you know I was first year into my contract there. Had two year contract there, and you know we, we didn't perform that well, so we we're, we're out as a coaching unit. So um,
4: the stakes are quite high. Probably
1: similar to EPL,
4: I'd imagine. How long before do you go out there? How much time do you get to prep with a, a squad, or is it really hitting the ground running?
1: Yeah, it's it's really hitting the ground running with a lot of those tournaments. Um, you don't the availability of players because of the congestion in the scheduling um, is quite difficult. Look, you're wanting to get there potentially two weeks before, but that doesn't really transpire. The international players roll in potentially sort of three or four days before your first game, so. The, the challenge of bringing a group together um, is different. Um, as you say, I think you were mentioning before, if you've got a first-class team or an international team, you're working with that team uh, day in, day out. So you understand your players, you build a relationship, you connect with them, and um, you're able then to, to probably make better decisions. So the ability to connect with your players in that short space of time it is pivotal as a coach. And, and it's probably one of my philosophies as a coach is, you know, the ability to connect uh, before you coach is is massive. And, and that's a great challenge uh, because... At the end of the day, you, you, you're in the people industry, really, as a coach. You're dealing with people. Whilst the cricket's important, if you can understand the person, I think you've got an opportunity then to, to help and impact the cricket side of things.
2: How's that um I'm by no means um, suggesting that Lancashire League is the same intensity and pressure as the RPL. But you mentioned earlier when you came back from your Victorian emerging players tour, one One of the things that a lot of the old pros always talk about is that pressure that pros are under when they're playing in the league is that that level of expectation day in day out on a Saturday and Sunday that they have to perform. and you do get a lot of, you get a lot of shit for it, don't you? it's kind of it's not an easy thing. And just know, is that something that the young international players don't experience anymore? Um, and was that useful at all, coming into this environment? And...
1: Yeah, I think, it's huge. I think it's huge in your development as a player. Um, it's the first time you get exposed to that pressure. It, it, it literally, you, know, you are the only overseas player you're getting paid. Hypothetically, for what you're getting paid fishing, but hypothetically, the overseas <laughs> doesn't pay more than the locals. So, so therefore, there is that added pressure of payment. And as, as a young kid, you, you feel that. And it's, it's really the first time in your career that you do feel that sort of expectation that you have to deliver week in, week out. And I remember getting it wrong with the bat early at, at Lower House. I think my first five games, I think I got 40. at I, I got 40 against Apprington. I think Tom Canning was a the professional there. And I thought, oh, okay, it's okay. It was in my, I think it was my first hit or second hit it might have been. Um, and then I failed, failed, failed. And, and the ball was keeping me afloat in terms of everyone's perception of me as a player. But with the bat, I was really, really struggling. And I did feel that pressure. Um, and there's no doubt that that helped that experience helped me later on in my cricketing career, also in my coaching career. So there's an element of that, I think, that that potentially with young players, not exposing themselves to that early in their career, um, that, yeah, that, that may stall their development. But they'll get it somewhere along the line, won't they? That, that's, yeah, yeah. I am not will encounter that. But oh, I'm definitely grateful, as I said earlier in the piece, that, you know, Brenda's gave me that phone call. I was able to trust him and, you know, he had a good team. Um, I was able to come in and help and contribute, but the relationships I formed through that, that journey, the knowledge that I was able to gain through that journey, um, yeah, has, has given me
0: no doubt a head start on the rest of the field. So, just again on Rajasthan, who 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 are the who are the names in that squad that we might know? A few English players. So you've done your homework.
1: It's good to see you. you always do your homework and you're well researched. Um, ben Stokes, you might know of him. Josh Butler. Joffre uh, Archer, uh, Tom Curran, Steve Smith, so they're probably the the name overseas yeah. as the local Robin Utapa, as a local Verona Ron. Um So we've got we've got a yeah a, a fairly balanced side. Um, got some really good international players, some really good local players, and hopefully I'm in mean, touch with it goes ahead this season. I mean um, you know it's on on hold at the moment, but we're hoping. At some point in time, we'll go ahead this this year. Maka, okay.
2: just just to Jez, Jez mentioned on one of the other podcasts, his interest in kind of how stats and analytics are coming into the game, and obviously we've got a spreadsheet wizard in Joe Martin that goes through that. Just just talk through some of the complexities that go into selecting squads for those types of teams, whether it be the 100 or the or the IPL and what that looks like? Because it, it's taken it to a different level, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what, what Joe's take on it is as well. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been beefed up. Um, it, it, it's basically to help you in the decision-making process. It's not... It's not the be and and end all, but the ability to look through the numbers, to look through the footage, um, to help you as a, as a selection panel or this management panel um, make a decision on who potentially are the players going forward that are, you know, trending upwards, so to speak, um, in terms of your talent of players, who are the older players that can help contribute, putting that together in terms of making a team. And that, that's the hard part. It's, it's a bit like, the, I mean, we've had many coaching conversations about putting a coaching team together. How do you put a team together? Um, and there's a real art to that, and, I, and you guys would have experienced that. No matter what level you're at, you experience that. Um, and you guys talk about 2004, things coming together, the team starting to look like it should. Uh, I think Tiffa was re- did Tiffer come in 2004, 2005, 2004, 2004. You added Tiff in, so you started to add these players. And there's no doubt that you guys would have went through a process to, to put them together to say this is what it potentially look like on the field. And we think if we put those pieces together, that that will look like a championship winning team. So it's no different at any level. Um, we've just got the ability um, to drill into it probably a little bit deeper um, than potentially the amateur level um, and even the first class level because um, you've got the resources available. So um, it's no different. Um, it's probably just a little bit more thorough, um, but there's, yeah, the game has gone to that analytic space um, and I think for the better as well, uh, if used correctly. Uh, I mean, it's really the art of being able to use the data correctly as opposed to just saying, well, we've got it there, let's use it. Well, what are you
0: looking for, team in particular?
1: Does Joe have any any doubt on that? As
0: the as the oh, if you, you want a horse, that's fine. We, you know, we'll go with your schedule. That's fine. Joe, I was just going to ask you about the uh, about the point on data there.
3: <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> you, um, would you um? like to mention anything there? Um, it's slightly different than Finch and uh, Andrew in how I've done it. So I've done a little bit of work for Finch on cricket, but it's a bit more isolated in that. I purely look at the statistics send them to Finch and then he does what he wants with them but I think that it is a really useful tool for finding trends and patterns that help you say as as you say build a team and work out what you need they aren't I don't think they are the full indicator of where you who you should pick and that sort of thing but I think that they provide a good uh, basis you to direct your selections and where you want to I take think, your team forward?
2: I think what it does and certainly from my experience, what it does is it you start to look at the Lorehouse team as an example and I always I always use Charlie as an as an example of, of how stats can skew or or back up what you're trying to say but Charlie's career average over a long period of time isn't that good but if there's a player that you want to go in and bat for you and score some runs at the back end of the innings or when you're in the shit, you want him to go in. So his average when he's playing against maybe the top teams or against some of the top spinners is much higher than certainly what mine would be or someone else's and that's where you start to see the value of it you compare a- Blaise is different because he's a legend but Blaise averages 45 against the best teams in the world I'm at, uh, in, in the league I'm at average 35 against the bottom two teams that don't have a don't have a bowling pro. that's when you start to look at it and that's when you're say actually, well, that player is of much higher value in this instance as as the other. You know, if you're someone like me who's made a career of picking up seven, eight, nine and ten uh, wickets at uh, the back end of the innings. That's different to uh, Johnny Russell, who takes for with a new rock at the front front of the innings. So that's where I look on my career at Lower House and look at it slightly different, having been exposed to that.
1: Whoever put the Lower House team together would have had an eye to what they were trying to achieve in terms of a collective team. Because there's no doubt that that team had all bases covered when it came to being able to deliver... Performance, you had the spin, you had. Johnny John didn't play two thousand and four either, did he? Oh. So he he, he two thousand and four with injury, and then he come back. He was almost like a special group New ball was able to bowl as many overs up front as he possibly could. If it was dry. He had Tiffer. he uh, was able to wheel away uphill into the wind. He was able to control the run rate. So you had had great dynamics, uh, and then and then Matty Hope. You had Hopey, um You know when things weren't going that well, he was able to pitch the ball up, get a bit of movement, and, and, and take
0: valuable wickets. So you had. He
1: had a lot of bowling options.
0: batting was pretty. Good. I, I hate to say this, but, but that was fluke. The, the, when that the, the, that team coming together in the way it did, and you, you're absolutely right to talk about having all the bases covered. But that that wasn't. There was no process there of sitting down and identifying a gap, and we need X type of player to fill that particular gap. It, it, that's not. That's not how it. That's just not how it works. It was he's a good player. He could add something to our team. Let's let's get him in. And then the pieces kind of fall together, and you make the best of what you've got in your lap. That that was, being brutally honest, that was how it was. It was it wasn't the case of we need potentially thirty wickets from a player, so let's go and identify that player. I don't know if I don't I don't think club cricket still to this day probably doesn't operate in such a professional way. It, there probably is room for it too, but I I just think with a with a club like us, we would. Predominantly, we were picking lads who were from our club, or out. Right, we had a couple of extras that that beefed us up a little bit, but they were recruited because they were good cricketers, not because they were a particular type of cricketer. When we were pulling them players to the club, we were taking them because they were, because they were good players, not because they fitted a gap that we that we had. That's just the way it was.
5: You're right in, in a certain uh, to a certain degree, dude. Um, But you can't get away from the fact, you know, what Andrew's saying there is it's not um, an exact science as uh, certainly in amateur cricket, we need someone to do this, let's go and find them. But in professional cricket, I'm sure that's what happens. But you think, Dooch, to the the build up, you know, through the, and I know I can go back 80s and early 90s and then the late 90s, you know, the fact that you, you know, uh, Matt... Charlie, you know blaze was a little bit older that was all developing you know and i think it's probably a little bit unkind to say it was an absolute fluke you know the fact that these people grew and you know were, were nurtured were and i'm not suggesting by by myself or gary but by some people that um saw saw some benefit in it and then away from the cricket side of it you know finchie playing at nelson getting finchie you know i'm and I know, I know Mac has uh, championed Finchie a little bit already, but that was a real coup for us to get that. that he was one of the first players that came in, you think, crikey, this lad, you know, can back bowl and he's not come through our junior system. So, And mm. then Dave, you know, God bless him, will be looking down on us and he'll be loving these types of podcasts and he could see things happening. He could say, right, we need to look at this professional. So, I mean, that's my views on it, Joe. I mean, I'm not wanting it- to with you but that's what I that's what I think about the, the, the way it key,
2: developed. the key thing and we're getting a bit philosophical here but the key thing that because I found it quite hard coming into that dressing room because I, I, I had no historical kind of stats to back me up and you walk in you walk into a dressing room that's got Jez, Blaise, Matto um, Johnny was there the first year I think what what that team never lost was the essence of what Laurels cricket club was And if anyone ever got out of out of position, people were shot down. So I I was shot down a few times. Maca shot shot someone down, and we never lost that because what was interesting was the likes of Jez was around in two thousand five. Gary, I remember you being around, and you understood what it was to play for Laurels. And I think that's a key thing that um, we shouldn't forget. In that is that people, you know. I don't know, I don't know whether you have Jez, but Matt Matt's got a tattoo of Laura House on his leg or something like that on him. And that's because he really cares about here we go. <laughs> Jez is showing it <laughs> us now. <laughs> and people, and, and people care about it and have an emotional attachment. And that's something that we shouldn't 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 forget really. Um, and it's something actually that I'm surprised you haven't mentioned my my time when I went away for three or four games and came back down on my knees cap in hand trying to, trying to get a game back for Lourdes when you leave it you actually understand what that means um, and I think that got us through a lot of that 20, 2005 season as well
3: Don't worry Finch that's going to be a special episode that one The
4: return
0: <laughs> of the prodigal
3: son
4: John it was still fairly new at that time as well um, where the, the, the regulations had only been relaxed a few years back where you had to live or work within a certain distance of the ground mm-hmm. So I think, whereas some other clubs seem to manage to manufacture somebody having a paper round uh, <laughs> down on the, on a street <laughs> about you know three point nine miles away, um, you know we, we we didn't never had that luxury, and and I think that essence of lorace's culture and sort of tight tight knits sort of thing evolved mm-hmm. quite naturally, quite organically. But I think he did all them in good stead when then the opportunity to bring. Players in who would clearly benefit the the talent the the the, the capability of the side, um, but it was almost yeah there were occasions I think there were a few players who who either made it made it known they would they would like to come and play at Rice or we they were disgruntled at clubs and you know I can think of people like Gary Hunt and and Mark Aspin and play, uh, people like that who who, you know, who were good players, good league players and, and would qualify to play mm. for us. And, and but equally there were players who, who did come about who we thought, well, yeah, you know, would would they would they be more of a disruption however good they are or whatever. So yeah, not not to the extent Andrew was alluding to, um, that it was um, you know, a well a well put together art form. But uh, yeah, it was it was it transitioned over a couple of a couple of periods of how you could Registered players, I think.
0: Andrew, I was just going to ask uh, quickly about your Australian role as it is currently, and do you want to tell us what that is, what it involves, and how it came about. Well, at the moment,
1: it's called stand down, so we're, we're all on stand down at the moment, so oh. we're not sure what looks like for us. Um, but essentially, yeah, senior assistant coach of um, the Australian team. How did it come about? Um, come about through a process. Um, there's a couple of coaches have moved on. Justin Langan was looking for, for some new assistants um, to build his new team around him. I've been relatively successful at um, Victoria. Went went through the went through the process, and um, yeah, sort of was a point of that role so like, like many other um, sort of roles that you do get you, know, you go through it you sort of try to work out is that the right place for you to be at that point in time is that the right opportunity to take at that point in time and but it was you know it was good to you know step away from victoria take the opportunity at the international level uh, coupled with the IPL role and the 100 role so felt well, like that was a was a fairly good mix as a coach and probably unique really in the coaching landscape to to be doing some international stuff along with some domestic stuff still so um, yeah, felt like it was it was a really good opportunity, too good to refuse. So, nothing
2: to do with the four million pound a year
0: salary, or
1: no? I've always worked for Anders, and I did that at House <laughs> and I. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what does it involve? What, what? Obviously, Justin Lang is the main coach. I guess you are one of a number of assistant coaches. Do you focus on a particular area of the side? Is it more of a general view? How how does it work? Yeah, I
1: think as as an assistant coach, you're there. You know. To be the right hand man for, for the senior coach the, for him to bounce ideas off i've got a bowling lead as well um within the team so take care of the bowlers um so yeah like like any coaching staff you, you've got these titles and you know potential role but as a as a working group you, you work out what that looks like for you yeah so you work out what your role uh, as a team is um yeah and you just you, you go about your work
3: Then more house to save the house.
0: The role there does it involve looking at opposition and analyzing strengths and weaknesses yes. there is that your is that within your remit or is that somebody else
1: Yeah, i mean there's, there's a lot that goes into the role so yeah you're definitely you're going through the tactical stuff you're talking to um you know the physios and and SNCs around the physical preparation of bowlers pretty much as a senior assistant coach across everything but you're just not making the final decision um, so yeah, so it's an all-encompassing role um, with a bowling lead. So yeah, it's a it's a great role. Um, as I said, I haven't done an assistant role for a while. My last assistant role was with RCB um, in the IPL. So yeah, I, I, I really enjoy the assistant coaching role with Australia under Justin. And yeah, as I said, I'm fortunate enough to, to get that role on the back of some success with,
0: with Victoria. Excellent, thank you. Right, chaps, um, that's that's pretty much it as far as far as I'm concerned. Has anybody got any last? Bits and bobs for Andrew. Oh, I've got a few you things board. for
1: you. Probably might have talked about on a few
0: other podcasts. but um, I talk about it on every podcast. Shoe on it into every single discussion that we have about cricket. The, my memory of it was the team was in dire need. We were struggling. You know, we'd lost a lot of wickets. The pro was looking like he didn't know which end of the bat to hold at the other end. And uh, somebody needed to win and, and take command of the situation. So, you know, my one moment in the sun was when was when it was most needed. So, you know, I'm quite proud of that. Thanks for bringing it up. Anything else?
1: Yeah, no, what, what I will say about Lower House, and I mean, you can cut and edit this in however you want, but it, it, was, a, it was a club. Um, and I was fortunate enough to have that opportunity to play for, for a club. And it wasn't a group of individuals. It was a club uh, on and off the field. It was a hell of a lot of fun. Um, you know, there was a social aspect to it, but there was also this huge desire to achieve on the back of 2004 when you guys won the Cup. Um, it, was a, it was a group of individuals that were quite driven um, and knew that they had a window of opportunity for success um, and and they were able to take that. Um, and, you know, I think David Wren no doubt has been given the accolades that, that he deserves in terms of putting that together. Um, but there was the, the team that went before and Jens part of the team that went before. Um, you know, they went through a lot of heartache and pain and Finchy sort of touched on it a little bit, but that, that probably built what was for us to, to take over and I was only there for a short period of time for sort of five months and, and you guys were able to build on that and and go forth and you look at that moment 2004 the belief that okay we can actually win something into 2005 and then beyond I mean the success from that point in time that was huge and it's it was great to watch from afar uh, personally but to be able to be involved in that journey in such a you know, Small sample size was was, was fantastic and, and really grateful for the opportunity that Renners gave me at, at the club. Um, not so much the plan under you, do but um, yeah, that's another another podcast for another time.
0: <laughs> that's a great note to end on, Andrew. Thanks very much for your time. Wonderful. Thank you, everybody else as well. well that's episode ten. Thank you,
3: um, Johnny Russell. Pies.
0: All right. Yeah, I'll just chuck that chuck that in as well.
3: Um, Jesus.
0: So, we, we once again, we thank uh, Johnny Russell from Art Caterers and uh, uh, Miltown Pies for his kind sponsorship of this podcast. There is a cost associated with getting uh, the podcast on various forms and Johnny helps a little bit with the cost. So, if you've got any catering requirements at all, contact Johnny, Art Caterers, Miltown Pies. say
5: anything, uh, anything else, John? Anything else? No, you're Yes, yes. You've not gone back any tests at the end saying, is there anything you want to have? Yeah. I mean,
3: I had a quick question. This, is, this will be very quick for um, Mr. McDonald. Which um, professional or international captain would you compare Joe Beneducci to?
2: Not uh, You can't say Ramesh Power.
3: Uh, so <laughs> it cops
1: a lot of stick. And, you know, when, when you're at the top of your game and you, know, you put yourself out there like he did, um, <laughs> well, actually didn't, writing down number eight, you know, you, you do lend yourself to a bit of a uh, critical mirror there, but... I think he did a reasonable job to be honest thank I you think I, think can, I think we can look back at it and critique it in detail and <laughs> the fact that he probably five years you carried him that's probably, that's probably a different story and he takes all the fucking accolades for the success of the team in
0: but still, I think he did a
1: wonderful job
3: <laughs>
0: uh, right place right time I think is the uh, is a phrase who is it David Boone <laughs> <laughs>
1: Have we turned the record off this? We're I mean, not cutting and editing this, you know. <laughs> I
0: have a feeling some of it might appear in.
1: We didn't yeah. go into Finchie enough, I don't think. I think we've probably got five minutes just to delve into finch's career. I mean, this is he's sort of what is, no, was he that, part, that of, can, part of something? Was he? That,
2: that can be it. That can be episode 135. That—that's when we're delving proper into the depths of Laura.
1: What were his numbers that year? Can you can you give me something there, Joe? What were his yeah, numbers? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I we didn't go enough their memory line,
3: did we? Let's have a look at Finch. Oh, the game I picked, he didn't play. I should have known, really. Season by season. So in 2005, oh, oh Finch, yes, well done. 627 runs at 27, high score of 80. You actually
0: got 10. 120 though, didn't you, Finch? I mean, that's not fair, is it? Well, it is what it is. You know, I'm a,
2: obviously being a team player. All I bothered about was the 12 points in the reverse fixture. Yeah, <laughs> which which I may or may not got five for I think in that one.
3: You did Finch, yeah, well bowled. Yeah. How many wickets did he get, Joel? He uh, took 43 wickets at 16. Uh, seven for 46 was your best best return finish.
2: After we'd won the league, I think you tried your hardest to try and get me to 50 wickets. Oh, I
3: yeah, think, I did, I think yeah. Ten wickets did. at the back. Nah.
2: No. I, think, I think, well, probably three quarters of them are down to uh, Jack McGregor.
0: Yeah, he was a so, uh, pretty special one in that year.
2: I've been lucky to have Jack and Jack and Joe throughout my what career. Did
1: take, what, what did Russ what, what did Russ take? He took the high thirties, didn't he? Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah but he took wickets. He took wickets at key moments, did Johnny. You, yeah. yeah, I know you've you reminisced had, about the Rami game, but that was that was big.
1: Yeah, and then yeah, and then you had you had Tiff just chiming in and you had Hopi chiming in when I just remember Hopi bowling like these three or four over spells, just just had the golden arm. Every time we sort of needed so everything just it just went right, didn't it? Like every time we needed someone to chip him with the bat with the ball, everything just jumped. Gel- and I think Grishaw got did he get eight hundred plus runs? Yeah. I I'll just have to go into
3: Crick Archive to find these ones. let
2: um. Late seven hundreds he got. And again, I think you might have talked about this on a on a previous what about Shane Harwood? How good would it have been to see him ball twelve overs down the hill at wow.
0: Burn we had 300 under our belt didn't we that day and he was bowling quick in the dark before it before it went before the rain started but yeah that would have been uh, that would have been fun but then I think I know why you brought that up because we played against him didn't we the, the year after or the year after that and did you not get some yeah. runs against him is that why you brought it up <laughs>
2: no, that's not at all why I brought it up but I might I think I might. it probably
0: is I can't remember that day was Ryan you Pro can. that day yes you can it's the highest ever highest ever partnership, wasn't it? No, first wicket partnership. All right, okay. okay. Yeah. How many and
2: what? 13 what, sure, I think.
1: What's Jez's take on? So, Jez played 2004, so he finishes up and then he sees a team ready to go. What was your take on it? What was the difference? I mean, there was obviously... So, 2004, you had a, had that spike in the cup, but... The years before, I mean, and, and did you believe that that team going into round one as a former player and now a spectator on the other side of the fence, having a jolly old good time, which was a fair bit, fair bit more enjoyable than what we're doing out there on the field, Which did you see a difference in going into round one? Was an air of expectation, or
5: I think expectation. We at Law House, we we don't do a lot of <laughs> expectation. We do. We see how things start. We see how we we develop and then move on from there. But I definitely saw. You know and that's why it's great to have Gary on. You know Gary was the start of. We had some professionals we spoke about the other night that, that came in that really started to try and change the club from being we use the phrase Cinderella, use the phrase you know underdogs and these. Professionals were getting sick of it, and along with the likes of Gary and myself and other players, really from the you know mid 90s and onwards, that was changing. We won the league, we won the cup in 2004, and I didn't expect that to be perfectly frank, but things went well for us. It was definitely time for me to finish. I was 41 then. You think that dooch bowl you into the ground? You should have seen what Gary did to me. Deadly serious for many a weekend, it would be 25 over Saturday, 25 <laughs> over Sunday, and we'd play back Holiday Monday, and he'd ask me to bowl a few then.
4: <laughs> what you're trying to say, Jazz, is I underballed myself.
5: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but then, so we get 2005 Macker, and it's clearly a good side. You know, the little bit of homework and what we knew about you, you know, obviously being a Hasland year or you were certainly the right pro for us. Tiffer, quality player, is coming to his own, and that's with our own homegrown players. And I must admit, you know, he shall play very well, you know, his dad came into the side, we've had numerous discussions about that, I think we're all bored about that now. But he really looked a top, professionally run outfit from the, the spectators view. I watched loads and loads of games that, that season. And I do, rem- me and Gary just mentioned it earlier. I remember the first innings really quite well, but then after tea, it got a bit hazy, <laughs> And whatever went on in the in the afternoon, but he, you just looked—you just didn't look like you were going to lose games that you know you were struggling. Certainly, with a top side, someone would perform. And I, I was going to mention this at the end of the podcast if you would have asked me if there's anything I want to say it—it really was a pleasure watching that season. It, it, you know, watching the players that came through, and then and then obviously, obviously yourself, Andrew, and how it's developed from there to to where we are now. You know, it was it was um it was an absolute pleasure to to watch it and to talk about it now. Yeah, it's a good
1: summary. I mean even what happened to Jack McGregor? I mean he was geez, he was good that season as well, behind the stumps because it was who, who kept the year before? Oh Charlie actually did it the year before. Yeah, that's right. Yeah there was a gap wasn't there. Yeah there was yeah. a
0: gap For yeah Frank, um, Frankie did it in two thousand and three was it? Frank did a bit in two thousand three, yeah. In Charlie football, did two thousand and four. Yeah, you're missing, you're missing, yeah. Well, half a game. But, but Jack. Jack was a bit of something different. Frank and Charlie, they'll admit themselves, you know, not the most natural of wicket keepers. Frank did it a hell of a lot more than Charlie did. But Charlie's an outstanding fielder. Jack McGregor was a proper wicket keeper, the first one uh, that we'd had for a little while. And he, made the, he did make a massive difference, particularly stood up to the medium paces. He, he was mm. something that we'd not really seen since since Chippy's days at the club. He was really, really good. Yeah, so who got him there? Like, little things like that, where you just, you look
1: at the pieces that, yeah. you know, you- might have thought about the strategy behind it, but you go well. Hang on, Charlie's good in the field, so need the keeper. We go and get this fourteen-year-old kid who you know is growing and doesn't know his own limbs and look that uncoordinated, and then put a pair of gloves on him after the stumps. He looked so coordinated and was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's there's a, there's a, there's, a, there's an element of can't be potluck. There's, there's an element of geez, that's that's come together pretty well.
5: That's true, look. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not buying it I just uh, can't.
3: <laughs> well, it's, can't a, it's a
2: multitude it's a multitude you of things talk. coming together isn't it it's because you had chap, Is it It was Chappie and Jacob so he's never yeah. never really going to get a gig there for a good so few he, years I think I think Jack I knew Jack beforehand, as did Bemba's as did a couple of others and it, and it things like that just fell into place that he was looking for somewhere to go you had that that feeling around the league that Stan was doing something with the juniors and it really fitted in it was an opportunity that, that he could come in so yeah it was a multitude of things that come together but geez what a that that was probably as big a signing as, as some of the others during that period with what he yeah. did behind the stumps and he got it
0: I think he you know, you'd have to look through the cards, but he probably got us a couple of wickets a game with, with yeah, did. He did. yeah, definitely, definitely. But I, in terms of what I like what I was saying earlier, that was not a it wasn't a process of this is our side, we desperately need a wicket keeper. He let's approach Backup to see if we can have Jack. That's not how it worked. It was Jack, like like Finchie said, was looking for something else because he was his opportunities were limited. It just so happened that we were in the right place at the right time. He comes to Lorehouse and he's an absolute revelation. But that, that could quite easily have not happened, and then we'd have gone into that season with Charlie behind the stumps. It, it wasn't a case of the brains trust at Laura sitting down and identifying him as something that would make us better was a little bit potluck.
2: It was, but don't underestimate, 10 years ago before that, he wouldn't have come. No, so correct. Yeah. the journey that you've gone through, is willing to take that leap of faith, isn't he?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you, can see, you can see a place moving somewhere and that's what I was sort of alluding to with Jez. Like there would have been moments where you're sitting there thinking, geez, the hell, we're not going to hit, like we're, we're stagnant. What does it look like for us? We need." And you probably went back to the junior development, which is the whole thing about standing and all that. And you invested in the youth and they started to come through and you got this perfect mix. Uh, And the ability for, I mean, Jez Jez to see the moment, like, I know this sounds funny, but if if a senior player hangs on one year too long, that stalls another opportunity for a younger player to come through and and, and getting that right. I'm not not saying Jez's position in particular, but the ability for those players to build something, step away and then watch it grow. And i I assume that Matty had the same discussion, you know, what's the right time to go? Do I play Mm one year? Do I go? Um, Oh, if you get them right, then you've got sustained success, which is really
0: the challenge. But, But the house were able to do that, so... Oh, great. It's a journey. We talk about senior players potentially going on a season too long, Jez. How many wickets did you get in two
5: thousand and four? We had this the other day. Did we, we didn't get twenty-one? Eight, or something. eight, something like that. Oh,
3: hold on. It
4: happened in my day. There well, we go, step man. <laughs>
5: um, Jez, uh, you got twelve wickets. <laughs> twelve wickets. Yeah, forty-three. Yeah, they were
4: important
1: ones, though.
5: They were important put And I know also said. I was coming on at the, you know, at the very, very important times. They brought another amateur and who played one year and then knocked off. Um, so, uh, yeah, they were difficult times, jo- Joe, but yeah, I suppose we mentioned your fifth. You won't it, will you?
3: Uh, Andrew, it's, uh, it's batting stats were even more impressive. Go, um, no, you... He <laughs> um, scored four runs, seven innings. Sorry, Jez. I mean, I feel, I mean, we are, I mean, you've helped me a lot and I feel like I'm really throwing you under the bus here, but I just thought it was necessary for context.
1: Throwing him straight under the bus, mate. Don't feel like you have. You've thrown him under the bus. <laughs> the batting was never mentioned.
3: But Jez, if you'd have only taken one wicket in 2004, it would have been enough, right? of our, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exact, exactly. Was that in the he final, got, Yeah,
1: it? in the
0: final. He got the prior in the final,
1: yeah. I'll tell you what, I remember a moment. So, we, we played against Haslingen in the, in the cup. I think we played them early on in the cup and we got knocked out. Yeah. I've never gone into a... It was at home, wasn't it? I've never gone into a change room and seen a more mortified group. And I thought, geez, this this is real. Everyone dislikes Haslingen to a different level. It was, it was a moment where I went, this, this rivalry is real. And, and they've got their rivalry with Ramsay as well, haven't they? But yeah, has he with the team clearly that no one liked. Yeah, yeah.
0: The, the, their captain before before that game, I remember having a conversation with their captain about how we were going in the league and you know how what, what how do you think it's going to go? Are you confident? And I was quite bullish, and he and he he made some disparaging comment about well your pro's going away for a, for a month. Uh, and you know what he probably won't come back and if he does come back you don't know what shape he's going to be in it, and he it, it was like really really brutally hard and obviously that was because you played there the year before and it had not really worked out well you'd
2: faked a back injury to leave hadn't you from what I remember
1: no I slipped I slipped at these lengths uh, and my back went bang and I, I played the next three games which is the worst thing I could possibly do and I was like I can't I cannot move and Ingers was really, really good, and I to this day thank him for that. Dasha was really, really good, and they were the two that I've stayed in contact with through. Because they were just like, "Well, you're injured, it's okay, you know, we'll get you back." But yeah, the rest were quite um, demanding on what the professional needed. That's where you guys had a different take on it. It was literally, you, the professional was a contributor to the team, not the person that was demanded to win games. Yeah. Although some of the supporters didn't think that. But the team, when you went into the change room, I remember, as I said, I was struggling with the bat early. I was sat next to Finch and I think it was um, Charlie as well. And, and they're like, okay, well, we're backing you in. And, and that was the best thing ever, that just a couple of teammates, we're backing you in, no matter what the other people think on the outside. Because it is. It's, from what Haslington sort of demanded of me to what Lowerhouse has demanded, it was more team versus you're the pro, you're football. Um, and yeah, it just, it definitely, as a young, we, we, you're talking about young kids as well. I mean, it's 2005, I'm 23 years of age. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like you're a grown seasoned professional. Like, you, you've got the tag of professional, but you're a young kid making your way in the game and you don't really understand your own game, yet you're expected to continue to perform week in, week out. So it's a huge challenge. Macca, thanks so, again. I, really
0: appreciate uh, it great, words. And now no, yeah. thanks, everybody else. And yeah, uh, cheers. Thanks speak a lot. to you